Well, good morning, church. Good morning. What a great day. Great day of worship this morning. And this morning, we come to the conclusion of an amazing series, a series called Better Together. And in this series, we've been talking about the church and the early church and what it means for us to be the church today and our day and our generation and how we're called to live that out as better together. Now, our model has been in Acts chapter 2. Right, we've been looking at Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47 and seeing the early church and how God has given us this model and the way that they live this out for the glory of God. Now, before we jump into that, you may remember that Jesus, when he was with his disciples, and he asked them, he said this question, he said, who do men say that I am? And they were kind of like, you know, well, there's a lot of buzz about you, Jesus. You know, a lot of people think that you're, you know, maybe Elijah or Jeremiah or John the Baptist, one of the prophets. And then he turned it on him and he said, but who do you say that I am? Personal. Who, who do you say that I am? Not does culture say, not what does anybody else say. And today there's a lot of people who say a lot of things about Jesus, right? Good teacher, prophet, amazing leader. But what about you? What about me? And I love as Peter stood up and Peter just said this. He said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, you're right, Peter. You nailed it. That's who I am. I am the Messiah. And then Jesus said, upon this rock, this confession of your faith that Jesus is Lord, upon this rock, I will build my church. Then nobody had talked about the church up until then, right? So when he says church, this is ecclesia. This is the called out ones. He says, I will build my church. And then he said this statement, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Boom, right? I mean, he just laid it out. He's like, this is what I'm coming to do. So the church is not an afterthought. The church wasn't like, hey, here's something after Jesus ascends into heaven. The church has been on the heart of God all the time. And we are the church today. So we see this in Acts chapter 2 in the early church. In fact, if you have a Bible with you, you may want to turn with me there in Acts chapter 2. But Acts chapter 2 verses 42 through 47, and it tells us this. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? These guys were in the Word. They were studying the Word of God. They were looking at Scripture. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, right? They were sharing life together. They were in it together. And to the breaking of bread, that's communion. Communion and to prayer, right? Prayer is Jesus taught us to pray our Father, not just individual prayer, but corporate prayer as well. And everyone was filled with awe, <laughs> I love that, man. They couldn't wait to be at church. They were like, God, what are you going to do today? What's going to happen today? Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Man, same heartbeat, same passion. We're ready to make a difference for your glory, God. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. We're going to see that in a minute. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, right? Large group setting. And they broke bread in their homes, small groups, community groups. So what's important to them. So they had large groups, small groups. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So if you look at the early church, right? They worshiped together, studying the Word of God. They were diving deep in prayer. You know, they reached out together. It wasn't just a closed-in thing. Hey, we got our little deal happening. It's just us. They were reaching out, inviting people in. You know, they grew together. They matured spiritually together. And then they also shared life together. And then we're going to see today that they served together. They served together. Now, this is something I think was so important to the early church. And they learned it from Jesus. 
Remember Jesus was with his disciples and he told them, he said, guys, just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, if there's anybody who should be served, it's Jesus, right? But Jesus came to the earth and he said, I want to serve. I want to give back. I want to pour into others. And so here's Peter, here's John, here's these guys listening. And when the church explodes on the scene, they say, hey guys, that's our attitude. That's what we need to be doing. The, the church, the early church lived out this call to serve. They lived it out. They put into practice what Jesus had taught them. You know, and I think that's so important because a lot of times we can read and we can study, but, but at some point, we've got to get in it, right? We don't just come to church and it's like, hey, we got a ticket, we're going to the show, it's going to be great, it's going to be awesome, and then we're going to peace out and go live however we want to live. It's no, we come so that our lives are changed. We come so that we reorder our lives around God's plans and God's purposes, and that's what the early church did. You see where it said this, selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Now, I don't think that means that, you know, they were having communal living, you know, and they had one washing machine or something. I think that means this, that they saw need and they said, hey, if I've got something and I can sell it and I can meet that need, I want to meet that need because people are more important than possessions. So they served individually, right? They looked at the opportunities around them and they said, how can we make a difference where we live? How can we make a difference in the culture that we're in? But they also served together. They served together. Because why? Because we're better together. We can make a bigger difference together. Now, if you know history, if you go back and look, there, there's some amazing things that were happening at this time. One, there was persecution, right? The early church was being persecuted and persecution will grow stronger with Emperor Nero and the Roman emperors who began to persecute the church. Uh, they would take Christians and Christians were taken and thrown into the Colosseum. They were thrown into the gladiators. Christians were taken and rolled in tar and used as human torches on Nero's uh, palace. I mean, just unbelievable things. But yet during the persecution, the church continued to grow. And the reason they continued to grow is because they said this, how can we serve? How can we make a difference? If you go back and study history as well, you'll also see that there were some major plagues that happened in the Roman Empire. Around 150, there was a plague and that many historians believe that it was brought back, whether it was smallpox or measles, but from one of the victories that the Romans had and they brought it back in and over a third of the population of Rome at that time died. And many of these Romans, these pagans were taking their own family members and they were throwing them out in the streets because they didn't want to get sick themselves. And you know what Christians were doing? Christians were coming along and scooping them up and they were taking them back to their own houses and nursing them back to health or even many Christians died in that process. But the Romans were watching this and they said, whoa, 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 that's different. <laughs> These people are different. These people, the way that they serve, there's something different. So much so that, you know, within 300 years, Constantine becomes the first Christian emperor of Rome because of the way these people lived out their faith. You see, there's gonna be times of crisis, like right now in our country with Harvey and the hurricane. And we as a church, we, we've got to respond. And just as we responded with Katrina or the flood in Nashville in 2010 or, or the you know, tornadoes that came in Missouri, that we've got to respond. And we do that together. And thank you, many of you who've brought diapers. Thank you, many of you who will go. We'll go and send a mission team in a couple of weeks to go down and help. And, and we need to respond. But there's also ongoing needs. 
that as a body of believers, we say, hey, we want to serve. We want to constantly be serving. We want to constantly be giving back. We want to constantly be putting into practice what Jesus taught us to serve as the hands and feet of Christ. Now, as the church right here in Acts chapter 2, right, as the church faced persecution, people would move to different cities and different places, and they would plant churches. Many churches started in their homes. And so when they go to Corinth, they start a church there in Corinth. And the Apostle Paul writes 1st and 2nd Corinthians to that church, right? Or they go to Colossae and they plant a church there, Colossians, or Ephesus, Ephesians, or Philippi, Philippians. But if you turn over to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing to the early church there. And Paul writes these words. He says, guys, it was he, that's God, right? It was he who gave some to be prophets or apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. So it's like, hey guys, this is what it's about. God has called us and given us different gifts and different talents and abilities. Why? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So notice a couple of things, right? It was God who gave us different gifts and talents and abilities. It was God who called us out and said, hey, I, I have placed within you the Holy Spirit. You have a spiritual gift, but I want you to use that in such a way to further my work, to further the kingdom. It was God who gave us this. And why? Verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service. Do you notice that? to prepare God's people for works of service. That you and I are living out, that you and I become the hands and feet of Christ, that you and I put into practice. Why? <laughs> to build the body of Christ. Now what is the body of Christ? The church, but also so that we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. When you and I serve, that's when we grow spiritually. When you and I give back, when you and I invest in somebody else, when you and I take what we've been given and put it into practice for the glory of God, that's when we mature. You want to grow deeper in your faith? Hey, begin to turn outward and say, how can I give back? How can I pour into others? How can I make a difference for God's name and for God's glory? That's how we mature in our spiritual walk and spiritual growth. And so God says, this is how you do it. This is how you live it out. Now, Jesus, right before he ascends into heaven, right before he ascends into heaven, he, he looks at the disciples and he goes, guys, listen, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So that's Acts chapter 1. The Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So notice this. Jesus is already preparing the disciples. He's going, guys, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be the ones that, that take me and, and share me with others in Jerusalem. That, that's local missions. That's where it starts, right there. Local missions in your Jerusalem. And that's where the disciples were. Then he says, Judea. That's national missions. You know, go around to the country. Look at where their needs are. Go there. Samaria. Samaria, a different culture. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans. I mean, in fact, they hated the Samaritans. But he goes, no, 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 no. You're going to go to Samaria. And they will. 
And you're going to share the love of Christ there. And they do. You, know? you go different cultures because all people matter to God. And then to the ends of the earth. Guys, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. That's international missions. I want you to go and take the gospel. I want you to go and be my witness to the ends of the earth. So as a church, we've tried to put into practice what God has called us to do. And on this day, this Mission Sunday, I want, I want you to hear some stories of people who have gone. I want you to hear some people who have gone to South Africa or to Moldova to serve. And as a church, we've said, hey, let's invest and let's make a difference for the glory of God. And what God's doing through his church and what God's doing through a nonprofit that we started about eight years ago called Justice and Mercy International is incredible, guys. But it's all of us because we're better together. So I want you to hear from Rhonda and Sydney Hunter. And uh, Rhonda and Sydney um, were just in South Africa this summer at, with uh, many of our students. And it's amazing what God's doing there. And Rhonda, you've, you've been going for a while in South Africa. So um, why do you keep going and keep going back? I'd say the thing that draws us back are relationships. We, I know Rolling Hills has had probably 10 years of relationships, mm -hmm. you know, starting back with Leslie Crawford and then Nathan and Claudia McDivitt living there. And just being able to watch their journey mm. and um, drew Sydney and I specifically to these people, to Lumka and Kennedy, who mm -hmm. are the life skill educators. And it was just such an awesome experience to the first time to meet them and um, put names and faces together and build on those relationships. And so made us want to go back last summer, mm -hmm. this past summer in July with the students and just love on those people that we had already met. Um, Franzie, our driver, uh, contagious smile that you just, you know, drawn to and, and all the kids that um, we got to meet the first time and then mm -hmm. see them again, grown up a little bit more and, and just how, how amazing that was. So, I love that. Yeah. I love it. Well, Sydney, what, what difference are you seeing God make there in Red Hill, this community that we work with, and with Kennedy and Lumka, our life skills educators there, what, what difference do you see in there? Um, there's like a trust with Rolling Hills there. Mm -hmm. And so when we go and serve, they know us and they trust us. And um, that just starts by continually going back and serving and doing what needs to be done and just the relationships that we've built there. You've gotten really close to Kennedy's daughter too, haven't you? So that's been amazing. You have friends around the globe, you know? So Rhonda, it's gotta be special to be able to serve on the mission field with your daughter. I mean, how awesome is that? But you're also a leader in the student ministry and serving with other students. Talk about that experience. Uh, it really, there's nothing like going and, and taking your child and seeing the passion in them and the, the love they have for for serving. And um, so that was really cool to go back with her and all the kids that remembered her and little Kanyo and uh, Jeremiah, Joanne, Penny, they all loved Sydney and screamed when they saw her, they were excited. And uh, so it just, it had, it's a probably pride, which isn't great, but um, you have that in you. But also uh, the students, I was really pleasantly surprised. There were a few I was concerned about that were, are extra shy here at church, but when they got in there, they got off the van and jumped in and just loved on the kids and, and uh, served them extremely well, so much so that Kennedy was able to leave us in charge for a while and um, didn't hesitate to do that because he knew that we had it covered. I love that. And I love that we're raising up a generation about serving, you know, because especially teenagers, 
become all about me, you know, me focused and everything there. And, and yet to see them go and serve, I mean, what, what an incredible privilege yeah. as a mom. Good job. So, Sydney, how can we be praying for what God's doing in, in Red Hill and the things that are happening there? Um, the biggest would be for Luca and Kennedy, who are there every single day. And, like, we go and we help them, but when we leave, they're still there. And they're dealing with a lot, and it's stressful, but just for strength and perseverance for them. Mm. Well, as a church, we've got to be praying. You know, I mean, being in Red Hill, it's one of the poorest places I think I've ever seen. Uh, and yet these kids, there's just a, a hope in them and a joy in them. And I just want to say thank you to you guys because you're making a difference. And, and I'm just so grateful for that. So thanks for sharing this morning. Uh, you know what's happening? <laughs> you know, as a church, we have said we're going to invest in South Africa and also in the Amazon. And I want you to watch this video because we go with JMI, Justice and Mercy International, and we do pastors' conferences in the Amazon with these pastors uh, that are there in some of the furthest reaches of the Amazon. And we have a boat that goes up and down the Amazon River. But I want you to hear just the difference that God is making in the lives of some of these pastors. So watch this. Nós estamos aqui na Ilha da Trindade, vamos para dois anos, né? Aqui na comunidade Boa Esperança, é, aqui na Ilha da Trindade. Para nós, assim, que sempre nós já fomos acostumados, né? Morar nas ilhas, para nós é um, uma tranquilidade. É ver o rio Amazonas, né? Conhecer a outras pessoas, famílias, evangelizar também o as pessoas que precisam do Evangelho, que, é, que precisam ouvir a Palavra de Deus. Mesmo que tenha as dificuldades, mas nós estamos aqui, felizes, alegres, de estar fazendo o trabalho do Senhor. Sábado, com as irmãs pela manhã, na consagração, que a gente se reúne, todas as irmãs vêm. Te ri muito, chora muito, porque estamos juntos, passando pela mesma dificuldade, pela mesma situação de cada um. A dificuldade para nós é, é um tempo da enchente né, que sempre alaga e a dificuldade fica grande. E nesse lugar nós, como aniversário da história, passamos por uma prova tão forte. Eu saí para ver uma malhadeira, olhei meu filho, estava na cama dormindo. Eu vim, né? Abracei ele, foi. Voltei. E ele veio me encontrar. E eu abracei ele e disse: Filho, eu vou fazer um mingau bem, bem gostoso para você. Ele já engatinhava, tinha 11 meses. Ia completar 11 meses. Nesses minutos, né? A minha esposa, ela diz assim: Cadê o Azaf, né? Já estava um silêncio dentro de casa. Aí eu deixei a mamada dele, né? E saí correndo nos quartos, entrei nesse quarto, entrei nesse outro, entrei nesse e o último foi esse. Quando ele caiu na água, né, depois que nós é, sabemos que ele tinha caído mesmo, veio um grande desespero, grito de socorro, gritamos por socorro, os moradores chegaram, 
os irmãos da igreja vieram de outra comunidade, vamos chegando e fomos procurar o Azaf. E o corpo dele foi resgatado a partir das 12h45, quando nós vinhamos de Taquatiara, do sepultamento dele. Como eu lhe falei, né, parecia que era um sono, mas avistar esta casa, é, a tristeza nos tomou conta. Foi um momento mais triste que nós passamos na nossa vida. Quando eu fiquei, quando eu perdi meu filho, eu orava assim, Senhor, envia alguém para nos ajudar. Porque passamos, quando você perde uma, uma pessoa, como aconteceu com a gente, é, a gente fica muito, muito abatida. E o Senhor, Ele, ele ouviu minha oração. Porque sempre, Ele não deixou a gente só e o Senhor preparou vocês para nos ajudar. Vocês não esqueceram da gente, vocês nem conheciam a gente, vocês... A conferência de pastores, para mim, foi uma... uma bênção, porque eles, ao chegar lá, eu cheguei de uma forma assim, de cabisbaixo, sem força, entendeu? Eu não tinha força, é porque eu tinha perdido meu filho, estava fazendo oito meses e eu não, não tinha como reagir. E ao chegar lá, o senhor foi, foi as ministrações, o senhor foi ali alimentando, me dando força. O senhor tratou muito comigo naquele lugar e eu voltei sendo outra pessoa. Porque eu, quero, eu digo para vocês que nós chegamos ali numa situação cabimagem. Para mim, a conferência foi tudo para gente também. E eu vim com uma visão diferente de evangelizar este povo mesmo. Né? De evangelizar, de é, conquistar para Jesus mesmo esse povo. Enviou vocês para nos ajudar. De haver essa intimidade quando nós fomos para a conferência. E o meu coração se alegra muito. E, e saber que o Senhor não esquece da gente aqui no meio desse, dessa ilha que a gente está. These are some of the most beautiful people you've ever seen. And God's called us to love them, to serve them, and to help empower them with the love of Christ. And you're making a difference there. And so whether it's South Africa or whether it's the Amazon, but also in Moldova, and Mike Fox and then Kelly Mentor, and um, you guys were in Moldova this summer and uh, part of the team up in Belts and um, serving there and uh, Rissa Penn and just amazing what God's doing there. And, and Mike... You and your wife, Ashley, why do you guys continue to go back year in and year out to Moldova? Um, for Ashley and I, it's similar to what you heard before. It's always about the relationships. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this, but it's the relationship 
between us and God, mm. and we know that he's asked us to serve in a greater role, um, and it's responding and being obedient to that call. Um, it's the relationship between us and the kids that we've developed after that first time. It's just, we get blessed beyond what we could ever imagine before you go. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that you want to go back and see those kids and how they're growing and developing. Uh, so that's really a huge draw on those relationships. And it's a relationship with our teams. It's yeah. the teams that go and serve and you build relationships with them and you just look forward each year to going and seeing them again and, and participating in this great work. It's amazing. I mean, it's so true too. And we probably had about 20, 25 on your team. And then there's another team with about 30 or 35. And, you know, but you do, you develop this bond with your team as you serve, you know, and what God's doing there. And why is it, Mike, and this is, why is it so important for men to go, especially men, uh, and to invest in the kids there and the orphans and the vulnerable children, uh, and then also to sponsor children. Why is that so important? First of all, we can use more men to mm -hmm. go serve. It's something that we could use each and every year. Um, get the opportunity to be a role model, I think, as we go on these trips. They don't always get to see that male relationship in their life. And just to be that role model to demonstrate love mm -hmm. and the way Jesus would have us love. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's also to teach respect, you know, respect for men and women and those things that they don't always get to see in their daily lives. So I think it's a huge responsibility to have some men go and be role models day in and day out. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as the sponsorships, um, it is a true blessing that you get to keep that relationship and it's kind of not just the provision, it's not just a check that provides, you know, some of the immediate needs and, and the things they can use. Um, it's also providing that spiritual food. I know mm -hmm. Ashley does a great job with it. Um, we talk as kids send things on Facebook, those type of things, or we send letters. Uh, we'll pray over those things that we talk about and then try and respond and just keep that relationship going through the year. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. God's using you there, I tell you, year in and year out, and life change that we see. It's, it's just awesome. I'm so thankful for that. Um, Kelly, you have been to, I mean, you speak all over, so you travel a lot, but, but you've also been to Moldova and the Amazon. I mean, how many times have you been? I, I was thinking about it. I think I've been to the Amazon 15 times, and I've been to Moldova four. So <laughs> I got to get over to Moldova a few more times, even it out, but it's been good. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And uh, God's using you and um, just as you speak out and cast that vision. But why is this so important to you? I mean, mm -hmm. biblically, what do you see God doing, and why is it so important to your heart um, to go and to serve like this? Yeah, well, uh, yesterday I was just in uh, my time with the Lord in Acts, and um, Paul was talking about um, his service, and I love this. He said to um, the people that were with him, he said, you yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. In every way, I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak Mm. by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen. And when I saw that verse, I, it reminded me that um, the word of God is true, that it really is more blessed to give than receive and how that tied into the opportunity, the privilege that I've had to be in the Amazon, the privilege that I've had to be in Moldova. And I think I shared this before, but I 
I was in the Amazon exclusively and my heart was as full as I thought that it could be. And when Jeff and Mary Catherine, who um, director of JMI asked me to go to Moldova, I thought I have no more room in my heart. And now I've been four times. I haven't missed a year. I've been with Mike and his wife and, 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 but the reason being is because it is more blessed to give than receive. And that is just, that's what Jesus actually said. Paul is quoting Jesus there. And so biblically, personally, it's given me a place in this church. Um, it's given me relationships. I never, ever thought that I would have, um, both with the people on the ground and the people that I get to serve with. Um, it's opened my eyes to a much dearer and greater eternal perspective. Um, it's made the spiritual things far more important to me than, than earthly things. I, I could probably give a hundred reasons. And so this is not only a biblical um, command, but it's, it's the blessing. It's the blessed life. Mm -hmm. So it's personal and spiritual, I guess. Well, what difference do you see God making? I mean, through Rolling Hills, through JMI and sponsorships of kids, but also teams going, what, what difference are you seeing God make? Yeah. He's, well, he's making a tremendous difference. Uh, in, in Moldova, most of you all know that we have a girl's house and a boy's house. We're about to add a second girl's house. These are children that have grown up in the orphanage. They have had very little love. Most of them have had tremendous abuse. They've been bounced around from orphanage to orphanage or home to home, incredibly vulnerable. And we, are, we have 10 years of history of seeing these children get into these homes, uh, receive the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ, that they are worth something, that their sins have been forgiven, that they uh, have a life and a future. We're seeing them go to college. We're seeing them get healed from their past. We're seeing them go back into the orphanages that they grew up in and leading camps. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. I mean, it really is truly unbelievable. It is the greatest privilege um, of our lives to be involved in this way. And JMI is making a significant difference. We have something like 12 or 13 staff members on the ground in Moldova. We're about to open up a second girl's house. We need a second boy's home. Um, you get in there and you see what God's doing and then you realize, oh, but we have to do so much more. And that's why we need, we need laborers. We need, we need the church. Mm -hmm. Wow. What, what excites you guys? I mean, what just gets you excited about Nothing. what God's doing? <laughs> uh, um, for me, what excites me is just, as I said earlier, each and every year, just knowing that we're going to get to go and see how people are changing from trip to trip. I mm. mean, we've seen it in some of the kids. I know we've had a few that have been there several years. Dima is a great example that... He has come to camp all three years that I've been there. He's one of our older kids. Uh, he's gone out and got a job. This year he actually was at our camp in a work relationship that he was there providing some of the uh, uh, bouncy houses for the kids. But to see him go from where he was in camp to now, he reached out to those kids in such a different way that he wanted them to experience what he experienced. And just knowing that his heart has changed uh, from the interactions at being at camp and now he wants to be a role model for those other kids Those are the things that excite you just to see that change and that love. It's life change. Yeah, it's life change It's life change the gospel is yeah. what so excites me to see these young kids that have had such hardship and they don't just point to the material possessions that JMI has been able to provide. They don't just even point to the friendship or the home. Uh, 
they they actually cite in a very profound way Jesus Christ mm. and the difference that he's made in their life, the the relationship they have with with him. And that is the supernatural piece that social justice can't bring. And so that's why I get so excited about Rolling Hills and JMIs because we see the gospel of Jesus Christ transforming lives. And that's what makes me so excited. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. You guys are amazing. God's using you. Rhonda, Sydney, thank you. You know, guys, as you look at this, I mean, really, when you come back to Acts 2, it says they devoted themselves. And I think that's the difference um, that early church, they were just devoted. They were committed. They were like, okay, God, what can you do through us? And, and the fact is this, we can't do everything, right? I mean, we can't do everything, but we can all do something. <laughs> we can all do something. We can all make a difference in some way. We can all give back in some way. Uh, what was exciting for me this past summer is my wife, Lisa, was able to go uh, to Moldova. She was on the team with Mike and with Kelly and with uh, 20 other people from our church. And, and what was awesome was this, is that, you know, we started having children. And so I've been going every summer to Moldova, but, but it was just not the right season. I mean, and there's different seasons when you can go, when you can't go. But for Lisa, when she got there, she saw kids that she had been praying for. She saw kids that we had been sponsoring. And she saw kids that we've been helping as a church and, and it just became alive for her. And she was so excited. She's like, Jeff, this is it. This, this is awesome what God's doing. And the fact that you're in different seasons of life, we all are. And we can't do everything, but we can all do something. And as we are devoted as a church, that's where life change happens. I wanna ask you to pull out your missions brochure. It's, you got it when you came in this morning and it's kind of this big brochure like this. And I want to ask you to pull that out for a minute. And I want to ask you to do a couple things. One, there's a response card. And if you'll look at this uh, with me, it, and we're going to ask everybody to, to, to just make a commitment today, to respond in some way, right? We can't do everything, but we can all do something. And so what is that for you? And this is something you can put your name on, your email. You could drop in the offering basket a little bit if you want more information or you can drop it by the JMI booth or it's something you may wanna keep and just pray about. But number one is pray. Number one is pray. Inside your missions brochure as well as a picture of either an orphan or of a pastor that uh, we could sponsor or need to sponsor. It, I would love for you just to take this card, put it in your office, put it in your bathroom mirror, put it in your car somewhere and just say, I'm gonna pray for this person. I'm gonna pray for them and what's happening in their life. So one is pray. Number two is go. And maybe today you're just saying, hey, you know, I heard about South Africa. I heard about the Amazon. I heard about Moldova. I heard about, you know, Kentucky or New Orleans national mission trips. I just want more information. And you could just check this and say, hey, I want some more information. I, I've never been on a mission trip, but I'd love to go. Or I've, you know, I've served some things locally, but I'd like to do that internationally. Hey, just mark this. On the back, you can see give give. You know, when we tithe as a church, we give out of that. So that's how we're able to do things like give to these organizations in Houston right now. You know, we've been able to send checks and money. That's important. When we tithe as a church, we're able to help uh, JMI. We give as a church to JMI um, because we believe in this and it's ongoing ministry. Number four is sponsor. And, and you heard Mike, you heard Kelly, you heard others talking about sponsoring a child. And, and so Lisa and I, we've, we've always done this. Uh, it's like $40 a month. We sponsor a child through JMI. Well, we sponsor a couple of children. But, um, you know, and maybe today you want to say, hey, I can do that. You know, that's 
one dinner out a month that I can just not go with a family or that's, you know, a couple of times at Starbucks. But I want to sponsor a child. I want to help them grow. I want to help them mature and then serve and just say, hey, I want to serve. I want to serve locally. I want to serve nationally. I want to serve internationally. I want to live it out. I want to put it into practice what God is doing in my heart, in my life. And here's some awesome ways to serve locally. Saturday Serves, Path Project, which you'll hear about, 413 Strong, which Steve Norris is just an incredible executive director and God's doing amazing things right here. The Nashville Rescue Mission, but ways to get involved and ways to serve locally. Guys, we can't do everything, but we can all do something. We can all make a difference in some way. And it starts with just us opening up and saying, God, here I am. Here I am. How do you want to use me? And so this morning, Greg's going to come. We're going to have a time of response. And I want you just to open your hands and say, God, here I am. And maybe you have your card and you want to say, God, what do you want to do? How do you want to use me? You want to mark something on here? But just have your hands open and say, God, I'm yours. God, I'm yours. So Father, here we are, your church today. And just like in Acts 2, God, they were devoted. <laughs> I mean, these guys were committed and they were just saying, God, use us. And whether it's in an emergency situation, like a plague that's happening there in the Roman Empire, or whether it's ongoing ministry, God, let us serve locally, nationally, internationally, different cultures. God, use us. And so I pray over us right now. I pray for us as your church today. I pray that, God, you would give us wisdom. I pray that you would give us passion. I pray that you would go before us, Father. I pray that, Father, these response cards would prompt our hearts, that we would say, hey, we can pray, we can go, we can give, we can serve, we can make a difference. And so, Lord, right now, speak to our hearts. And God, let us commit to be your disciples and your church today.